I'm running the race. I gotta pick up the pace. They throwing shade, but I'm gone. You gotta keep it up to my face. Welcome to the Rise Project, the place where you will learn how to thrive and grow in every aspect of life, family, entrepreneurship, personal development, tech, and marketing using real, raw, and 100% no bullshit proven tactics. My name is Ivan Tamokov, and I'm your host. I hope you weren't expecting anybody else. And today on the podcast, I am joined by Terry McDougal. Hi, Terry. How are you? Ivan, I'm great. It's really good to be here with you today. I'm excited. I'm excited to have you. And uh, before we jump into a convo, telling you, uh, telling us a little bit more about you, where you've been, what you've seen, I want to introduce you to the listeners and the viewers so they know a little bit about you. Terry McDougal is an executive and a career coach and CEO of Terry B. McDougal Coaching. She helps high-achieving professionals remove obstacles that keep them stuck so they can enjoy more success and satisfaction in their lives and careers. Before becoming a coach, Terry was a longtime corporate marketing executive where she let teams develop strategies and advise senior leaders to drive business results. She is the author of Winning the Game of Work, Career Happiness and Success on Your Own Terms. And she's also the host of the Marketing Mambo podcast. Okay, so you've been in the marketing space for quite a while, which I didn't know. Yep. Yeah. Um, and so let's 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 take a way back though before we get into what you're doing today, coaching, the corporate marketing. Let's take a way back. Tell us a little bit about your story, where you come from, where you've been, what you've seen. Well, you know, um, I think one of the things that we were talking about before you hit record was the fact that um, when I was a kid, my family moved around more than 40 times by the time mm-hmm. I was 11 years old. And it uh, really started with the fact that my parents were super young when I was born. My mom was only 16 years old and my dad was 21. And he ended up uh, getting a job with the telephone company and he took a job that required him to move around. They were basically doing these large scale sort of construction jobs Mm-hmm. all across the southeast where they were burying the long distance cable like because before this they were all like strung on you know uh telephone poles everywhere and they started uh burying them but he would work on these projects and they might only last for a few weeks and mm-hmm. so my my parents bought a trailer and you know we would move into a trailer park and maybe we'd be there for four weeks eight weeks whatever and whenever that job was done they'd send them to another town sometimes to a completely different state so um when i got into school uh they did change things a little bit like a lot of times my dad might have to travel but we would stay in one place for the year so i didn't have to change schools i i did full time but I was in a different school every year in a different state from kindergarten until fifth grade. Um, so I have seen a lot. Of, <laughs> I've lived in yeah. a, a lot of different places. I've seen a lot of different things. I think that uh, there's some pros and cons that go along with that. I mean, mm-hmm. I unfortunately am not one of those people that can be like, oh, this is my best friend from preschool or kindergarten because <laughs> it was like diff- I was the new girl forever you know, because yeah. I was always moving to a new place, but it made me extremely adaptable. It made me understand, you know, how to fit into situations quickly because I had to, you know, go in and kind of size up yeah. what was going on and, you know, figure out how to adapt. Um, mm-hmm. 
so that's that's something that's unique <laughs> definitely yeah. un unique about me but um i uh i i think that one of the things that i figured out during that time was one area that i could have more control over was school i liked school i liked the structure of school and i did really well i was a good student and mm -hmm. um you know that actually got me to the point where I was the first person in my family to graduate from college, and I really wanted to parlay my academic success into corporate success. And so I really was studying that, reading books, you know, trying to figure out how to get ahead from, you know, really earlier, early in my career. And, uh, you know, uh, quite frankly, sometimes I couldn't figure it out. <laughs> you know, I'd look around sure. and I'd be like, I don't, I have no idea why that person got promoted. They don't seem like they're doing a good job. Um, and I did learn a lot of those unwritten rules of the game of work, many of them the hard way. I was lucky to have some um, really good mentors along the mm -hmm. way. And I did hire some coaches a couple of times. And so um, that's kind of what led me to eventually to become an executive and career coach because I mm -hmm. like helping other people who are talented, who are smart, who have a lot of potential, but are sort of hitting these invisible walls and they don't know why they can't get past them. I, I really like to help people get past those things. And uh, that's also the reason why I wrote my book because I wanted to yeah. share the lessons that I learned. Um, I also you know, share stories uh, of some of my clients and I also interviewed 11 people in my book that had some interesting career stories that I wanted to share to inspire other people that you know, sometimes you might get knocked back, but don't quit. Keep going. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if, if you believe in yourself, sure. you can make it happen. Sure. And, and I want to chat more about that here in just a second. I, I wanted to go back to uh, your childhood a little bit of what you're talking about that um, you became your or you understood how to be more adaptable because you were moving around so much. Like you said, you were always the new girl, right? In, in yeah. school. So um, do, do you remember if you were to recall, recall that far back, like from a mindset standpoint, you know, what was going through your head? Because, I mean, you know, when you're that young and you're moving around so often, mm -hmm. you know, like there's you have to adapt to different situations, to different yeah. schools, you know, peer pressure, you know, kids, friends. So like what were you know, if you were to think back, because I think that was probably an extension of you know, to what you're doing today yeah. is learning how to be adaptable. So how, how did you, you know, how did you approach? Okay. So we just moved, I'm starting a new school, right? Like what were some of the things that were going through your mind or what tactic did you use to adapt? Can you remember? <laughs> well, I mean, it's funny. Cause you know, you, when you talk about tactics, when you're talking about like a five or six or seven year old, yeah. you know, I wasn't thinking like that, but sure. I do remember, you know, in the, I, I remember like the first few moves, when I was in school, when we had to mm -hmm. move and my, when my mom would tell me, I was really sad. And I can remember just bawling my eyes out because I did not want to leave my friends. I did not want to have to start all over again. But yeah. it also was one of those things that I did not have a choice, right? And I think that when you're faced with things where you have to move forward, you know, I couldn't say, I, I'm going to go on strike. I'm not going to school. <laughs> right? Like right. I had to do it. Right. And so, you know, I guess, I suppose in some ways fortunate for me, I couldn't avoid it. So I learned a lot of hard lessons that, you know, sometimes people don't, people can avoid like doing the risky thing, doing the scary thing. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't have a choice, but what it taught me was that I always could figure things out. Like once I went into that new situation, I was scared. Listen, I mean, I'm not going to, I am not going to lie and tell you that going sure. into a classroom where you are, you know, know your way around the school and everybody else knows each other, it's scary. Um, but, you know, I just, I just went into it. And, you know, the things that I learned were, were that there's always going to be somebody that's going to befriend you. You know, I knew that I would figure it out. Um, and I think just going in with sort of like an open mind and, you know, observing what's going on around you. The, yeah. These are things that have served me well throughout my whole life. And I also think that, you know, people that are always in the same situation they make assumptions that, you know, things are the same everywhere, right? Yeah. Like they'll say, oh, well, this is the way it's done. And sure. it's like, if you, you know, if you're eight years old and you've been to four schools, you know, in different states, you know, in your lifetime, you can be like, no, that's not the way it's done everywhere. It, it sure. just made me a lot more agile to be able to recognize patterns and to understand things, understand possibilities. Um you know, one of the one of the books that uh, has a lot of meaning for me, and it's old, I don't even know if it's still in print, but it's something that I read probably when I was in my teens or early 20s. And it's called um, Courage is a three letter word. And, you know, spoiler alert, the three letter word is yes. And really, the 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 book is about like all of these people that have done amazing things and mm. kind of their stories of how they did them and what they faced when they were doing it. And, you know, what, what I got out of that is that courage is the willingness to move forward with things in spite of being afraid. And that's how things get done, right? It's yep. just, I mean, like I was saying earlier, it wasn't that I wasn't scared, you know, being like a new kid walking into the classroom, but um, I had to do it anyway. I wasn't, I didn't have a choice. Yep. But I learned that lesson that, you know, if I was willing or I, you know, I had to, but um, that I would figure things out, you know, and then once you've faced a lot of um, things that you're afraid of or you've taken risks, you start to learn that yeah. there are just ways to approach change in life that uh, work again and again. You know, and uh, yeah. even in my adult life, I suppose, because I moved around so much as a kid that I moved around, a, you know, not a ton, but several times, you yeah. know, pretty big moves yeah. uh, from different regions of the country. I, I've moved around and it doesn't it's not scary because like once you do it once, you're like, oh, I know what I need to do. Right. <laughs> to, think... to figure things out. Yeah. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And uh, before the train of thought leaves my brain is um, uh, I think the reason I asked the question is because I, I think it proved that at a very early age, you embraced optimism and you understood how to avoid the scarcity mindset, which is what a lot of people have. Mm-hmm. And uh, now even in the coaching, I think largely in part, that is what you do is you help people, like you said, yep. courage is a three letter word, really, right, you know, that that it means yes, uh, when a lot of people, especially now and during COVID were struggling with courage, yes. was struggling with optimism, and had a huge scarcity mindset yeah. about the ability to pursue an idea or a dream or a goal. 
because of their current situation. And I think that's where a lot of people develop a scarcity mindset because they're led to believe that their current situation defines their life. Yeah, that they're meant to live a certain way. So I think it's very fascinating that I think it, this really all started with you getting into coaching when you were really young because yeah. you moved around so much it <laughs> yeah. taught you about optimism and how to be proactive and how to be adaptable and how to be you know more agile like you like you said and and not necessarily focus on your current status and and realizing that i will adapt you know i will overcome this. yes so yes um i want to segue into kind of the corporate life and hear a little bit about that and, and what, why did you even get into the corporate marketing side of things? Well, I mean, I wanted to work in corporate because I wanted to make good money. And, okay. <laughs> and I figured that's sure. where you make good money. You know, if you, yeah. get a, you get a good education, you get out, you get a good job and, right. you know, you make, you make good money. Um, and, uh, you know, so that was really my ambition. In terms of marketing, I was actually an economics major and under, I I kind of toyed with me uh, at, at the college that I went to. The business major was very restrictive. Like you, you got very few electives. And I really liked taking, you know, art classes and language classes sure. and stuff like that. And so, you know, I figured economics was a good background for business, but it gave me more freedom to take some of the other, you know, more creative classes that I wanted to take. Yeah. Um, when I graduated from college, um, I, I'm from, well, I'm from Maryland originally, but my family lived in Delaware and I went to college in Virginia and my boyfriend from college was from Massachusetts. And he, he, uh, encouraged me to come for a visit after I graduated. And his mom gave me this book called what color is your parachute? And she said, before you even start looking for a job, I want you to read this book. I want you to do all the exercises in it. And then you can look for a job. And that's probably the most valuable piece of career advice I got in my whole life because I just wanted to get a job, right? I did not want to like look at myself. I didn't even know that that's what you're supposed to do. You know, look at yourself and figure out what you're good at and what you like to do. But sure. that book guided me through all these exercises so that I could discover what was special and unique about me. I could talk about what I like to do and I could connect that with particular job, you know, types of jobs that were out in the marketplace. And so that uh, there were a few things that kind of cropped up as I went through the um, those exercises. It was mm -hmm. like advertising, publishing, nonprofits and marketing. Like those were the areas it was like you'd be good in these areas. And so that's how I concentrated my um, job search. And my first job was with the publishing company and I worked in the ad sales department assisting the sales staff. And, you know, they obviously I was learning lots about advertising because I, sure. I, you know, did a lot of stuff with the ad agencies and stuff that we were um, interacting with. But um, that's how I got started, you know, and then it just from then I, you know, I had the experience doing that. And, you know, one thing led to another. Um, I did when I was in my late 20s, I did go back and get an MBA and I, I uh, the concentration was in marketing. So, you know, it was just something that I liked. I am kind of a, a person who's creative, but I'm also mm -hmm. analytical and marketing is a really good uh, type of job for somebody who is both creative and analytical. Yeah. Um, 
and uh, you know, and so it's an, it's nice to get uh, paid for things that you like to do and that you're good at. <laughs> and that's <laughs> absolutely. Um, and that actually was the punch to something I wanted to comment on that you said uh, a little bit ago. You said um, finding out what you're good at. And I think, you know, in today's day and age, society especially, I think, you know, enforces on people so much about what they should be good at instead of allowing them to discover what they're truly good at. Yes. So what's your real talent, right? And I think, mm -hmm. you know, creativity and analytics, you know, being in the marketing space as well, you know, is amazing because as an entrepreneur, you got to have both yeah. also, you know, so that's kind of essential. And the more creative and the more analytical and more data driven you are, you know, the higher the opportunities. And suddenly I know personally as an entrepreneur, when I really got into it, I discovered that, oh, wait, people are going to pay for this. Like, like for this idea, for this innovative approach, you know, for, mm -hmm. for this data, you know, it's right. like, yeah, then they will. So it's interesting you may mention that because, uh, you know, I wanted to to talk about that because a lot of people, I think, pay, pay too much attention to how does, you know, and you said you were the first to graduate college, which mm -hmm. that was a huge, huge, as an Eastern European, a huge, huge expectation of me from my family. Of course, I failed mm -hmm. in that regard because I said, <laughs> oh, uh, you know, screw school. I'm going to do entrepreneurship, you know, go the completely yeah. different direction. So and congratulations on that, because I, I know that had to be a huge, huge accomplishment uh, all around. So as you were learning and growing, you know, finding out what you're what you're good at. At what point did you decide, you know what, corporate marketing is, you know, fun and I'm making money, but coaching is more fun, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was a gradual thing. I mean, mm -hmm. I think I mentioned earlier that I had hired coaches a couple times mm -hmm. and, you know, the first time I hired a coach, it made a huge difference in my career. I, I actually was able to, uh, kind of, it, it was, I was able to kind of move up to the next level and it had a tremendously positive impact income and getting to the next level, um, you know, running marketing departments and that kind of stuff. And that was super helpful. So I knew that coaching worked. Um, also, I mean, you, you kind of touched on it earlier. Sometimes when people have asked me like, you know, when did you get started in coaching? I'm actually the oldest of four girls, you know, uh -huh. so I'm the big sister and I also think that, you know, being somebody that was always like definitely ahead on the curve, you know, I had experienced so much change in my life and I knew that people could make it work sure. that I was always very encouraging to my classmates at school. Like if I understood a concept and somebody was like bummed out or wasn't getting it, like I just like to help people. And I think, you know, when I helped my sisters, you know, sure. I was always, you know, that was just sort of my job as the big sister. So I, I just naturally enjoy that. But I also realized that when I was uh, a marketing leader, it made good sense for me to invest from a coaching and mentoring standpoint in the people on my teams. Yeah, It's just a win, win, win situation because it was good for the people on my team. You know, they were growing, they were learning, they were doing a good job. It was good for the company because they retained these people they were getting good work out of them. And it was great for me because when you have smart people that are doing a good job working for you, right. like I just, it made my job easier, right? I didn't right. have to jump in and micromanage or anything like that. So 
Um, I, I got some feedback from people that they really appreciated that, you know, mentorship and coaching. And so I knew that people thought I was good at it. Um, and I, the, the real like turning point was at the last company I worked for, I was there for 12 years and I had four different jobs in the time I was there. And it, it's a foreign owned company, but I worked in the U.S. And over the course of the time that I was there, they were really pulling a lot more of kind of the control to the, the headquarters country. And so I came in kind of at the top of the marketing ladder. And over time, when I looked around, I just did not see anything that was like a logical next step to advance within the company. Right. And the last role that I was in was not one that I actually applied for. My, you know, my boss had been like, I want you in this role. I, I actually tried to say no. And she was like, I want you in this role, <laughs> which, you know, I was a good corporate citizen. I'm like, okay, I'll give it the good old, you know, college try. But, <laughs> um, but it never was a great fit for me. And so right. I wasn't super happy. And that led me to start thinking about like, what's next? And I did interview for, you know, jobs and marketing and other companies, but honestly, I think I sort of outgrew it. You know, yeah. it just wasn't floating my boat the way that it had earlier in my career. So that just got me thinking, you know, going back to what color is your parachute? Like, what are you good at and what do you like to do? Um, yeah. And I just, while I was uh, kind of networking, I met somebody who had gone through the coach training program that I eventually went through. and she had a um, a background in PR and media relations. And when she was telling me her story, I was like, oh my gosh, like, it sounds just like my, my story, you know, just sort of like loving sure. your career, but then sure. kind of outgrowing or getting burnt out on it. And, and so I decided to um, go through the training program and, you know, it was great. It was a great decision for sure. I feel like I'm so much happier now. <clears throat> the decision to become a coach was, relatively easy the decision to become an entrepreneur a full-time entrepreneur that was a, that took a little bit longer sure. um you know at first i just thought oh i'll get i'll get the coaching certification and i'll just do it on the side or use the skills at my new job or whatever but uh i think that entrepreneurs uh entrepreneurialism can be uh it can be a little bit uh, contagious <laughs> And, you know, when I was in the coach training program, I went through with like, it was about a six, six to eight month program. And I went through mm -hmm. it with about 40 other people. And many of those people were planning on, you know, they either already had their own business or they were planning on starting their own business. And so, yeah. you know, I, I started thinking like, well, why not? You know, why don't I just do it too? And yeah. uh, it was, it was a good decision. I'm, I'm so much happier now. I feel like I'm, uh, living my life a lot more authentically now than I did before. And, you know, I have the freedom to yeah. make decisions and just act on them instead of, you know, uh, half those for other people to give me the green light. <laughs> like that's what you have right. to do in the corporate world. And, Right. You know, a lot of times it, I just couldn't move as fast as I really wanted to move because it would be like, by the time yeah. I got it through, like all the approvals, you know, eight months later, I'd be like, I don't even have the energy <laughs> to, to execute on this plan that I came up with months ago. Sure. No, that's a really good point. I think um, one thing that you mentioned is just that I think as you were, you know, climbing your corporate career and you had reached the top, you realized that, you know, there's a lot more out there. And I think in part, 
like you, you, you said in the beginning, you said, um, I got into corporate because I wanted to make good money. Right. Well, I think mm -hmm. that was a part of, of, uh, a conditioning from the outside world being yeah. told, right. It's getting the corporate, right. make good money. But then yep. you got into it and you're like, you know what? Like, this isn't as fun as I thought. Like there's more, like you said, you have always wanted to help people. So I think that's mm -hmm. where the coaching kind of took an extension, uh, an extension, even from your childhood, what you were talking about, like, you know, knowing how to be optimistic and agile and not embrace mm -hmm. the scarcity a mindset. And now you just took it to a whole new level. Yeah. Right. And then you were like the entrepreneurialism, like you said, yeah, it really is about maximizing your potential and really discovering yourself. And yeah. one of my favorite quotes is by Tony Robbins, which is, you know, business is 90% a psychology, 10% execution. Yeah, so true. it could be the shittiest executioner on the planet earth. But if your psychology is spot on, I mean, that's in essence kind of what coaching, coaching and consulting yeah. is really about is like absolutely buku dollars for stuff like that, which I wanted to talk a little bit about, you know, what you're doing today, which is, you know, helping high achieving people who are successful but not satisfied. And I, I want to get your take on this because I know personally, I've met a lot of successful people. I know I've met people who make millions of dollars or invested into 18, 19, 20 different businesses. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, they're eating caviar every day at five star restaurants, <laughs> yeah. you know, but they don't feel satisfied. Like money's yeah. there, right? It's like paying your right, bills, right, right. living in the big house, driving the expensive cars. Bank sure. accounts got seven, eight, nine figures maybe in it, right? Yeah. Life is good, but they don't feel satisfied. So mm -hmm. is it, this is where I, I want to get your take on, is it about fulfillment? Is it about finding true fulfillment and happiness? Well, I think it is. And I, I actually, you know, when, when we talk or when I talk about, you mm -hmm. know, successful, but not satisfied in some ways, I think that that phrase is, is like a trick, a trick phrase question. because to, yeah, you know, a trick question in a way, are you successful, but not satisfied? Because to mm -hmm. me, you don't really have true success unless you are satisfied. You do not have to, you know, and like, what is success if you're not happy, right? right. I think that a lot of um, us, I'll say us, because, you know, I'm still mm -hmm. recovering from this. Um, a lot of us will define success by the external trappings, right? Like, what kind of car yeah. do you drive? Where do you yeah. go on vacation? What kind of clothes do you wear? You know, like, what types of restaurants do you eat at? Like all of these external things. Um, and you can be very successful and not even have a job, <laughs> you know? Um, sure. I, to me, success is about like, what do you want your life to look like? And yeah. have you been yeah. able to fulfill on that? You know, do you feel happy? Do you feel satisfied? Do you feel like you're living your purpose? Um, and, you know, one of the things that I came across, I, I came across this, uh, research when I was writing my book. Um, and it's so funny cause when I, when I read it, I was like, ding, like a big light bulb went on over sure. my head because I knew this in my gut, but this guy named Tom DeLong, who is a professor at Harvard business school, who studied high achievers said, he thinks that high achievers are addicted to external validation. And I was like, holy mm. cow, like they're worried about, you know, I think he uses this example in his book 
um, that they're worried about like, oh, when I go to my five or 10 or 15 year uh, reunion from college, like, are people going to be impressed by my title and the car I'm driving and, you know, what my spouse looks like or whatever. And, you know, is that really, you know, does that really drive happiness? You know, you have to live with yourself every single day, right? You're only going to see those every often. But to me, it makes sense because when I thought back to, you know, what happens in school, like I think we're very much programmed by our educational system and, you know, obviously also by um, the way that we're raised and socialized is that we are encouraged to delay gratification, right? And to look for rewards outside of ourselves. So it could be that, you know, um, well, you know, you get that gold star on the top of your paper when you're in first grade, right? And you're like, oh, well, if if I pay attention and I complete my worksheet, you know, I'm going to get a gold star. So we start to look to what other people expect of us. And as we're doing that, very often we lose touch with the things Mm -hmm. that we love and that we get joy out of. And if you really think about, you know, as little kids, I can remember as a kid, my mom calling me in for lunch or dinner, and I'd be like, no, I, you know, I wasn't thinking about whether I was hungry or it was dinner time. I was thinking I'm in the moment, I'm loving what I'm doing. And somebody's trying to pull me away from this. But as time goes on, like our brain starts saying like, hey, it's dinner time. You got to go in. Like, even if you're not hungry, (laughs) you know, Um, and it just it just continues to the point, you know, if you think about like high school and college and then you get into the workplace and you're worried about like, what does my boss think? You know, what does my boss's boss think? Um, And believe me, I coach a lot of people that are they're driving themselves, you know, or grinding themselves down. They're allowed, they're so worried about what people outside of them think that, you know, they might be in a very abusive situation at work and they can't even see it, you know, they're, or, and sometimes it's not, sometimes they're doing it by their own. Uh, maybe their boss is, is fine as even saying like, Hey, I want you to go home earlier, but they're telling themselves like, no, I have to, stay late. I have to do more. And, uh, you know, that's not sustainable over the long term. And it also doesn't give people the space to really get to know themselves and, you know, get back in touch with that part of themselves where there is joy and there is knowledge about what, what they love and what will make them happy. You know, um, there's something I want to touch upon. You said external validation for high achievers um, earlier mm-hmm. on. And, and um, I want to expand on that a little bit because I, as an Eastern European, I think, and in turn, turn entrepreneur, which I think I've always known that I've been an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. It's just like, how do you, how do you tactically execute on that without worrying about that external validation? Right. Because the reality of things is you were talking about external validation. I think it's, it's people too, that seek external validation. I know that when I was younger, I was conditioned into, okay, you need to go to school, get that degree, get that job, you know, make good money, you know, buy a house, get married, have kids, right? It's like that traditional path of doing it. And then I dropped out of college, barely graduated at high school. And suddenly family was like, you're a huge fucking disappointment. It's like, wait a second. And at the time being, I actually allowed that to affect me. And Mm -hmm. now being older, it's like, I had made a choice to find my own route 
to success because yep. what you said, you could be successful in not having a job, right? Maybe you're doing something else that you enjoy. Yeah. So it comes down to you have to define what the meaning of success means yeah. to you. So which honestly, in the traditional world that I think still to this day, a lot of people condition high achievers and people into thinking that success is defined by materialistic things. Success mm -hmm. is defined by having That's a right. lot of money, having a big house, mm -hmm. having a deep you know, bank account, driving an expensive car or your kids going to a private school or like all this bullshit materialistic uh -huh. stuff. Yeah. That's in reality. It's like, let's think about it. Do you need a shit ton of money to be happy? No. Does right. it help you? Does it make life easier? Yes, it does. But you don't need it for 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 success. You don't need it to be happy. You right. know, and I think uh, that's where so I'm glad that we're talking about high achievers is because there is a lot of high achievers out there. And I know you probably run into them all the time Yeah, People that you've coached or you're coaching currently that literally struggle with those same very things because they were conditioned, mm -hmm. you know, to seek that external validation to prove to others, not themselves, to others that they were successful. It's like, if you can't prove to yourself to be successful, why in the hell are you trying to prove to others? That just makes no sense. It's like you, you're living yeah, the I, life of someone I, else. I agree. <laughs> right. I agree. I mean, I, I have this belief and philosophy that, you know, each of us was put here on earth for a reason and that we each were sent here to earth with our own unique gifts and purpose. And I honestly believe that, you know, when we can figure out what that is and that we can step fully into mm -hmm. our purpose here, that that's where we find happiness. And, yeah. you know, of course we're humans and we want to be accepted and loved by others. Um, and that's a lot of times what causes us to, you know, step away or be fearful about stepping fully into our own um, purpose. And, you know, I mean, I think that family and friends, they've got the best of intentions when they're trying to say to us, right. like, you've got to finish college and you've got to go and get a job at this corporation, because that is a route that many people take to be, be successful. And when our families are trying to push us in that direction, you know, they're they're trying to help us. Right. But it's not necessarily help helpful if that is at odds with our true purpose. Right. And I also think that, um, you know, I believe me, I've worked with plenty of people that had to sort of get over the trauma of other people's judgment and criticism of them if they've chosen to take a different route. And, um, you know, I kind of look at it like, because we're all here for a unique individual purpose, nobody actually has the right to judge us because they don't know what our purpose is. Right. right? And so if, if we can like, just be satisfied that, you know, and be curious, like, I don't know exactly what my, my purpose is. I feel like my, the, what I'm doing right now is a yeah. lot more aligned with my purpose on earth than, you know, when I was working in marketing. Um, although I will say that one of the things that, led me to coaching was that when I really stopped to say, what's satisfying for me about being a marketing director? Mm -hmm. And it was not the thing that 
you know, maybe you would think, which is like, oh, let me see if I can beat the control on our last advertising campaign or our last <laughs> digital campaign. That wasn't what was satisfying for me. What was satisfying was yeah. me sitting down with one of the business leaders, understanding their problem, and then coming up with a strategy that would help that individual person mm -hmm. and their team be successful, which, you know, guess what? That's exactly what I do in coaching. You know, yep. I sit down with individuals, I understand what their issues are, you know, together yep. we work on a solution um, to, for them to reach their goals. Exactly sure. the same. And so when I realized that, I was like, oh, <laughs> okay, so maybe coaching's not that far away from what I've just been doing naturally my whole life. Right. I think, so there was something really important you mentioned is this is really rediscovering that purpose. And um, I want to go back to the to something actually real quick. We're talking about success and the definition of success, which a lot of high achievers apparently, which is kind of mind boggling to me because mm -hmm. I, I think even to this day, even though my mindset has shifted, still some part of me seems to think that high achievers, you know, uh, uh, are are living their best lives because uh, they're accepting that external validation, you know, or mm -hmm. for or striving for that external validation. You know, um, I literally actually have gotten into a huge predicament with a family member over the uh, our let's see how should I say this over our uh, purview of success, our individual mm -hmm. purview of success. Mm -hmm. And to what we were talking about earlier is this that we should each be entitled to having our, our own purview of success. Yes. Yeah. Because you live one life. You're the one person you spend the most time with for right. since birth. Why yes. should you get to choose what success means to you, not yes. how others want you to interpret right. success or execute on success? So similar to what you were talking about is like, and I actually used to think that way is like, how can I beat this digital campaign? Especially when I was in the agency mm -hmm. world it was like, yeah. how can we out outperform that better KPIs, better metrics, more impressions, more clicks, whatever it might be. And it's like, no, it's more about impact. It's more about yeah. more about purpose, yeah. you know? And, and I think that's what really kind of pushed me five years ago into going after a human centric business because I understood the human element behind, okay, this isn't just about marketing. It's more about like creating impact right. and change. And I think that's, that's in part yeah. where you really got into coaching is realizing that, okay, this is much bigger than corporate marketing and, you know, satisfaction behind campaigns, but it's about how do I, how does Terry, impact the lives of other high achievers to where they can maximize their potential and yeah just outperform unlike they've ever done before yeah. so my question to you is when you go through these transformations i'm curious in hearing this when you go through a transformation with a high achiever they kind of have this epiphany so to speak right and they're like oh my yeah. god I, I didn't know that i could do that i could do this or there, that there's even, you know, as they say, the Jedi side, so to speak, they've been on the dark side for so long. What's sort of the reaction that people have to something like that? Well, I mean, I, I kind of look at it like a lot of times people, like you were saying earlier, they're looking at things from a uh, perspective of scarcity. And, mm -hmm. 
you know, the reason why we do that is because we want to protect ourselves. We do not want to be disappointed. Like if we if we look at the if we look at the world pessimistically, it's going to protect us from disappointment because if something bad happens, we can just say, oh, well, you know, I knew that was going to happen. Right. But if we well, when we're when we're thinking about life or believing that life is, you know, limited, it's like looking at the world through a pinhole. Like we can only see this yeah. much of what's going on. When we start to believe that more is possible, when we start to, you know, believe that if we're clear on what we want, that we deserve to have it, it's literally like taking that pinhole and like just ripping through the paper and opening up, like peeling back the blinders and being able to see that anything can happen. Honestly, I mean, not um, to be too, you know, crazy or woo woo, but literally anything can happen. And I think that what I see a lot is, you know, people do have, I call them the aha moments that all of a sudden they, they like rip the veil and they're like, oh my gosh, there's so much more out here. Yeah. And they also feel a lot more empowered. Um, one of the things that I have observed with high achievers is that their tendency when they run into trouble or they're running into resistance mm -hmm. or issues is to work harder, to go faster, to do more. And what happens then is that just means if they've hit a wall, that they just keep hitting the wall faster and harder and they get burnout, they get discouraged, they start doubting themselves. And, you know, I tell them, like, listen, give yourself a moment. Let's step back. All right. Yeah. Get a bigger view of what's going on around you. Examine your assumptions about what has to happen or what you should do, because the reality is, is that in every moment we're at choice. OK, yeah. when we're saying things like, well, you should do this, that's in judgment, right? That's judging yourself. That's like um, buying into the conventional wisdom and like no, nothing new or innovative happens when you buy into the conventional wisdom and the world is changing constantly. Yeah. Things that worked great last year. I mean, actually this last year and a half is a perfect example, like things that, you know, happened or worked right. really well two years ago would not work today. Like we have to constantly be thinking about what could we do differently? You know, and I think yeah. for, for marketers to recognize that, you know, it's all about testing and learning and, um, you know, being curious about what could I do differently to get a different result. Um, yeah. So, you know, I, I think that uh, a lot of people feel very, very empowered once they start to step back and they start to, you know, try new things. And all of a sudden they're like, wow. I didn't think that that was possible, but yet I've tried it and it works well and I feel better and I'm getting better results from it. And you know, um, one thing that, that you mentioned that pulling back the curtain that, that I wanted to uh, elaborate upon is just that I think to outsiders that observe high achievers, um, we tend to think that they have it all figured out when in fact you just mentioned that a lot of high achievers actually have an encapsulated mindset. And actually there's a lot more mental limitations than what most, I guess, average people, you know, high earners, average people, right. Tend to perceive from an outsider purview. And mm -hmm. 
you know, and you mentioned something about from a marketing standpoint too, is just that, yes, it is about testing and learning, but you also need to be constantly testing within yourself to maximize your potential, you know, be, be mm-hmm. daring, be disruptive, be yes. explorational, you know, and yep. you would think that at least I know personally I used to look at like high achievers, you know, early on, be like, well, what are they doing that I'm not? And yeah. now you're saying, well, you know what? They they seem they seem to be quite a bit more limited than what most average people tend to see, because that's exactly why you coach these high end uh, uh-huh. achievers is because, you know, they 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 kind of springboard right and they hit and they hit success, but then they start hitting all these walls and it's like, all right, how do I go from six seven figures to eight nine maybe ten figures? You know, mm-hmm. like, like, what do I need to do to remove, you know, to remove these barriers to, to remove, you know, these shackles that are holding me from going to these next levels. And yeah. it's actually, I think kind of rejuvenating because, you know, personally, I know what it took to, 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 to get to six figures. I think I know uh-huh. what it's going to take to seven figures, but okay. Yeah. eight nine figures, like, Okay, that's maybe yeah. where I'm going to hit a wall, because I think in part, when you climb that ladder, correct me if I'm wrong, but you do tend to develop a scarcity mindset because there's a lot more at stake. Yes, it, it's true that that very much is true. And, you know, what I will um, I say to people all the time is that what got you here is not going to get you there. Right. Mm-hmm. Because people tend to just keep doing the things that got them to where they are. And they get really frustrated because yeah. it's not working to get them to the next level. Right. And that's um, that's where I think that, you know, working with a coach can help because, again, yeah. people have the blinders on and they are not aware of it. You know, like this view of the world has worked for them, um, but they really have to start peeling those blinders back even more to examine, like, what could I be doing differently to get a different result? You, you can't just, you know, like we've heard that old saying that, in, you know, what's the definition of insanity? Just doing yeah. the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. Like if you're not getting the results that you want, you need to do something different. But a lot of times it's hard to even fathom what that is. Yeah, absolutely. Terry, um, this has been a really deep conversation, you know, and I've thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it. I know we didn't get to touch upon your, uh, upon your book, but make sure that that get captioned also, um, in the notes as well. But, um, and I know we could probably keep going on and on (laughs) because I'm a huge sucker for psychology. I feel like psychology is such an important element in anything you do, whether it's business, entrepreneurship, personal life, relationship, psychology is such an essential component and one that's actually very underestimated, believe it or not, you know, because think about it, if you were to get a degree in psychology, like you'd be lucky if you made 50, 60 K right coming out of college or even in the next couple of years, when in fact, psychology is such a powerful component of everything we do. But before we sign off, you know, I want you to throw out some social handles, websites, links, anything you can think of, you know, ways people that can reach out to you, especially for coaching, uh, if they want to connect with you. Yeah, so people can uh, learn more about me and get in touch with me on my website, which is terrybmcdougal.com. I'm very active on LinkedIn, and my handle there is terrybmcdougal. I do uh, I do have an Instagram too, and it's I am Coach Terry with uh, underscores in between each of the words there. Um, 
if people want to know more about my book, a lot of the things that we talked about today are in my book. And there's lots of exercises and kind of inspirational stories from mm -hmm. people I interviewed and myself. You can find that on Amazon. And the name of the book is Winning the Game of Work, Career Happiness and, and uh, Sad, sorry, Career Happiness and Success on Your Own Terms. And then finally, I've got um, a podcast, Marketing mm -hmm. Mambo, and people can find that on all of the major directories and also at its website, marketingmambo.net. Okay. Okay. Awesome. Well, Terry, it has been an absolute pleasure having you on. And you are they tryna hit me, I'm running the race I gotta pick up the pace They throwin' shade, but I'm gone You gotta keep it up, bucks in my face Taking in gang out of space It's best if you stay in your place They hating on all of my songs, uh, I don't know what can I say They throwin' shots, but I'm saved by his grace God is the shoot, I'm the lace Running around, got me stoned, man Feels like I'm stuck in the maze Shoot at the Oculus, the case